0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Top Soul Podcast. Mitchell and Trent back in the Soul Nation World Headquarters. Going back uh, kind of to how we ran season one, where both of us kind of sit down and have a quick conversation. We were just in a meeting um, with a company. Um, we won't get into them, but we're going to talk a little bit um, overall kind of on our thoughts day on some of the things we've got going on. Um, and trying to be kind of specific, you know, and keep to a fairly short episode here for today. Um, and love would, would love your feedback, you know, and to continue this conversation, um, online through our channels and whatnot. Um, so Trent, we'll just queue it up to you first. Now, one to talk today about biological products. So you and I have a little bit different businesses that, um, you sell products, you sell seed, you sell, um, you know, inputs for farmers, my company, we're consulting, we're making fertility recommendations and we're testing these products for you when you're looking at, you know, moving a new product. What's some of those conversations that you're having, some of those things you're looking for, um, especially when it comes to biologicals? What are you looking for um, as a retailer, but also as positioning on the farm? You know, what's kind of your takeaways on biologicals along those lines? so that's kind of a pretty deep question
1: there but to pull that apart a little bit i think the most important thing is to separate the marketing department from the science and that's often the toughest thing as well so i think anybody can relate to the concept of a three to five bushel yield advantage right because we've been sold that since forever and you know apply this product you'll get a three to five bushel yield response um but the you know the hard reality is is that's that's probably drummed up by a marketing department. You know, with exclusions of data to get a result that they want. And so, I think it's very important that you vet the conclusions that are being drawn by these companies. That you do very you do a lot of thorough uh, questioning and trying to understand what it is that the product actually does and how it works. Uh, I know there's a lot of movement, and one of you know what we want to talk about, kind of in this episode, is the the um, uprising of biologicals mm-hmm. and biological seed treatments or biological in-furrow treatments, and whether there's any science to support some of these claims. And um, you know, for that, like I, like Mitch alluded to, you know, he's kind of the the research department here in washington county on a lot of these companies i would just kind of throw that back to you and say you know what are what are what's some of the science that we're seeing what are not necessarily specific products but what are the products that you're looking at Uh, what are you seeing as far as yield responses or overall soil health fungal bacteria ratios you know what are you seeing from from a response on some Mm -hmm. of these biologicals
0: so I think we can see definite responses when it comes to yield, but like you brought up, you know, I don't think that's really what we want to go for long term. I think that is still the currency right now. It's still the main talking point You know, is yield, and, and everyone likes yield because it's fun, and it's fun to be in the combine and uh, pushing big yields. You know, and seeing that monitor going over 300 bushel consistently, um, that's a lot of fun. But really, at the end of the day, it boils down to being profitable, of course. Um, For our work, we're looking at a variety of different biological products, whether that be raw living microbes, you know, kind of a bugs in the jug kind of an approach where we're actually throwing out living biology into the system. We've got some of those products. We're looking at biostimulants, you know, so uh, maybe that's a micronutrient or it's a humic acid or something like that. It's actually stimulating biological activity. Um, And there's a variety of different ways that you can get these products on. There's a lot of variety within that, you know, within the bio space, but everyone's really talking about it. Everyone's talking about um, biology. Everyone's talking about biological additives, but nobody really knows what the best tools are going to be. I don't think there's a silver bullet anyway. It's not going to be a one size fits all. My biggest takeaway on all this is that when we're looking at microbial products, I want to f- help to put together the data to figure out what is going to work in certain situations, why and why not. You know, so okay, so we've got a certain biological product um, coming out of the country or coming off the coast. There's a lot of these products coming off the coast. So if we've got a certain biological product that we're going to apply with our starter fertilizer, what I want to figure out is do I put that product on my sandy farm? Do I put it on my heavy farm? Do I put it where I've had cover crop for 10 years? Do I put it where it's been ripped uh, for forever? Do I put it where I have manure? Do I put (coughs) it where it's all synthetic? There's so many different aspects there uh, to factor off of, you know, so, um, or if it's a biostimulant, so do I have to have really good biological activity to begin with, which means I've utilized manure, I've utilized cover crops, I haven't been tilling, I have good biology there. Then I add on this biostimulant and I get an increase? Or am I utilizing a biostimulant on a piece of ground that has terrible biological activity? My response to all this and where we're bringing on the data is let's evaluate the soil at the beginning, both chemically and (coughs) evaluating the biology. And we can do those things now with... um, Some of it can be kind of expensive, but... It's worth it to be able to do it, especially a one-time kind of a deal um, on your farm, you know, to one-time evaluate, what am I dealing with? Um, what are the specific species of microbes that are on my farm? What are my good guys and my bad guys? How does my soil cycle nutrients inherently? And how is my fertility out there on the farm? Not just fertility with basic soil sampling that we've always done, but what about the actual available nutrients on my farm? I take that thorough biological data and thorough chemical data. Then I layer on the test plot on top of that. And then I see what kind of a response that I can get based on that information. I can then see, okay, here's a soil that was already very good in terms of biological activity. And here's the response. I can see here's a farm that has really good organic matter. Here's how this product responded. That I think is the the next level of layering this information it goes beyond just a soil type because there's so, that soil type data is extremely outdated and it's not supposed to be used as spatially intensely as we have, you know, as we've used it now with Precision Ag. So I think that to me is, you know, evaluating where these products are going to work. That way a guy like Trent can figure out in most of my soils down here in southeast Iowa or in a, even larger geographic area that he serves, where can I best place these different products to make sure that my customer has a good experience, sees a positive result, and then we move forward from there. But it's also important to put a goal on that positive result. What does success look like in these different situations? It can be very different. Like we said, it's not necessarily yield. It's some of those gains more long-term. And trying, I think you brought up some good points on that when we were talking to these guys about improving those efficiencies, um, improving our efficiency, like you talked about in the last episode, getting below that 0.8 pounds of nitrogen per bushel. I think we go to the other nutrients with that as well and utilize biologicals to become more sustainable. maybe that kind of cues up into some of your thoughts, you know, to, to counter off of this even more.
1: Yeah, so I think that that's... We just got to have a meeting where we're talking to a biological company, and I think that some of these data results that are being used by the marketing departments often can come from practices that you naturally can occur due to inefficiencies in your operation, and so you have to be able to sort those and then then start testing the product right so like I'll give you an example. You know, if you're looking at, we had a conversation where, you know, this specific product was, was argued to replace starter fertilizer. Um, and my question, I guess, naturally would be, uh, well, maybe we're applying too much fertilizer to begin with. And mm-hmm. therefore, we're not seeing a yield decrease when we replace the starter because there's already enough nit- natural available nitrogen and unnatural available nitrogen to that plant. So, you know, until you get your metrics in the right place and you start being maybe more efficient um, and you know that you're at an efficient level, then I think you're putting the cart, then you're okay to start playing with these biologicals, right, to try and push that system along. But I think before that, you're putting the cart ahead of the horse in some instances. And I'd like to break down some of these categories maybe a little bit further because, you know, you alluded to the big biologicals kind of being either bugs in the jug right living biology products or these biostimulants which basically stimulate or hijack the biological activity that's going on in your soil and i guess my question is which one of these do you think you know has any validity yeah. um you know you know i know I'll preface each one of those. I would say, you know, your bugs in a jug product, we could listen to the Ray Archulettas of the world, you know, talk about how, or even Chris Nichols, you know, I think she made the comment at the Soil Health Academy about how if we took foreign microbes and added them to a a population you know, a domestic population that the domestic population would then attack the foreign microbes as being, you know, of an alien species, yeah, right? Yeah. And so, okay, well if we're <coughs> culturing bugs in a jug on the west coast and then shipping them in mass to the Midwest, <coughs> can we even expect there to be, you know, not not only just a living biological you know, still in the jug, yeah. right? Or can we even see a response from that if they're seen as a foreign foreign biological uh entity within the soil and then the other thing is on these biostimulants you know we just sat there and talked about this for 10 minutes before we went on here you know what are we getting there uh that's actually having a direct effect on a microbe right. anyways like what, what are we getting outside of just a micro package and that micro package is just hijacking the efficiency of those microbes in the soil at that mm-hmm. point Anyway, so you know, where where is the magic bullet within, or where do you see Mitchell the yeah. magic bullet lying, and where these are actually increasing efficacy? You know, and can we separate that efficacy between the product and soil health, mm-hmm. or do they go together? And if they do go together, you know, where where does that magic bullet come from?
0: Right now, I think some a couple of good questions there. You know, and and my overall deal you know just comes back down to understanding what we have in the soil to begin with so like i said i think a lot if we we understand the domestic species that we have in our soil then we can apply the correct mix of nutrient of microbes to fine tune that hmm. you know if we have a lot of good rhizobia in our soil or a lot of good mycorrhizal fungi in our soil but we also have a lot of pythium or we have a lot of sudden death or whatever we can fine tune our applications for that specific situation um, and then help to fine tune rather than, you know, a a mix of bugs in the jug, like I said, coming out of California or, or the East coast or wherever, and it's coming pre-mixed and you just kind of get what you get. And yeah, some of the microbes in there might not necessarily be what you want. Um, And there's a lot that I think the microbial companies have to do with, making sure they know exactly what is in that jug and that what they're delivering is a pure pure product that's concentrated enough to really make an impact. Um, So what I think, you know, to sum that up is understanding exactly what we have in our soil and then fine-tuning our blended microbial product to match our specific situation. And then you stimulate it with your biostimulants. But like you had said, you know, and, and maybe this... You know, kind of throws a wrench into everything is those biostimulants that we're talking, you know, by throwing out the micronutrients or throwing out a humic um, acid, a carbon chain, is all that is. It's a long carbon chain that is feeding those microbes. It's a sugar for the microbes. By throwing out those micronutrients or those sugars to stimulate the microbes. Can we do the same thing just by applying more living roots mm-hmm. that are going to stimulate the microbes in the same way? Mm-hmm. You know, so is our cover crop our biostimulant or is the, you know, integrating the um, livestock and whatnot is that enough of a biostimulant? My question, my thought process is that it's a combination. It's a combination of products and practices that are going to get us there, especially in the short term. I think there's products that can help us as we are um, regenerating our soils and as we are moving into a more sustainable system that the products can help us to get there in the short term. we can fine-tune those microbial communities. We can stimulate the biology in the short term with added carbon with the micronutrients so that most guys have not been applying for the last multiple decades. We can fine-tune those things. then we you know continuously integrate into more a more regenerative system back off on the synthetics probably back off on a lot of these microbial products, too. I think over time, you reduce the need for those kind of products as well. I I don't know that there's enough long-term research into those things. There's so many new products coming about that we haven't been able to see what they do after using them for 20 and 40 and 50 years. Um, But I would think that you can eventually reduce ourselves off of those and let the system work on its own, and that's really what this boils down to is how do we get to a more sustainable system How do we get to be more regenerative and uh, hopefully be able to be compensated for that going forward? So I think my last kind of takeaway, and we'll get trances, that it's important to look at what are these new products um, that are going to impact your farm? Where are you starting? What's your starting point right now? And let's put together some strategy to help you to improve. What's the top of the list? goals what's goal number one through five let's work through those before we get to goal 25 Mm -hmm. and work our system down um and continuously get better learn from each other um because i think the benefits are really going to play out even more than some of the short-term benefits that we can see right now so and trying i think that's you know leads into you on on helping to get those right products and whatnot to our growers um That leads right into where where you guys are positioned in as well, Um, you know, as a resource to help our guys to strategically get there and have those conversations. And uh, really good for us, you know, to have a conversation, sit down with a company like we did today, and and really get to some nitty gritty on what's going on in our soils and in the leading farmers that we're working with day to day. um, That we're talking about some pretty advanced stuff here, but we've got to start. We've got to move in the right direction and. And it's going to be fun. Yeah, I guess my final thoughts on this would,
1: would be, you know, to approach this stuff with extreme skepticism. And um, I guess I would look at it this way, you know, from an unfiltered standpoint. I mean, if you look at this from a company's perspective, you know, 20 years ago, it was all about bringing traits to market, Right all these big companies were pushing money towards the trade aspect of, of seed and, you know, nobody was really talking about soil health at that time and any kind of mass. Um, so the dollars to bring product or to bring a trait to market is astronomical. Only a very few amount of people can even afford to play within that space. But the, the unregulated for the most part, you know, biostimulant bugs in a jug sphere can be manufactured by anybody with a pulse in a basement Mm. you know and so you have to be real careful careful with inoculants with bugs in a jug with biostimulants because there's really no regulations in the in the ability to put it on the market is so cheap and so there's some companies out there kind of in a gold rush to try to you know, occupy this space as long as they can. And you know what? If we throw something at the wall and it happens to stick, somebody will probably buy us at some point and then start putting it on seed and seed treatment mass as far as a seed companies represent, you know, perspective. So I'm not saying that there's no validity in any of it. I'm just saying you should approach it with some skepticism. And um, that's, that, that I guess is kind of my my thoughts in general there on on both of those, those categories. Um, my question, I just want to throw back to you to wrap this up is, you know, thinking about that, what, and we see a lot of marketing materials on these products that make some outlandish claims that don't even make the right claims, you know, when you actually get to talking about the science of this, um, what tests do you think need to be done to create validity around these products? Or what questions do you think these listeners need to be asking a salesperson who comes through their door mm-hmm. trying to sell them one of these products? Like right. what's the vetting process? What are the questions they need to be, to be asking to separate, you know, partial fact right. to real fiction?
0: I Yeah, I think that's a, a really good kind of last point here to, um, to kind of hammer this home is how are we going about, quantifying efficacy in these products and and what's going on. So how we're helping our farmers, especially at scale right now is by utilizing Haney testing, which has given us our microbial activity. We're not fine tuning the exact species, but we're seeing um, how is our organic carbon levels in our soil? How's our microbiology activity overall? And um, we're able to utilize that in correlation to our management practices to give us, Um, Some baseline data Where I think this really goes Is by identifying the actual Species of microbes in the soil Utilizing that DNA testing I think that's the part that these companies Need to do It's not going to be the farmers And we talked about that in the meeting with these guys Was Well who pays for some of this analytics Well the farmer (laughs) We don't have the money to be able to do this Mm -hmm. And it's the companies It's their product We're not going to research for them And give them all of this data Now, yeah, there's a lot of big data tools that this stuff is going into. And if you are putting good data into your FBN and climate and in Circa and all those tools, yeah, at mass, they can gather the information and make some correlations. But we need to have some replication to that data. We need to have some actual trials um, and we need to have some independence to that data. So I like independent trials that are looking at yield and they're looking at ROI because I think that's still something important. That's still going to be the headline. It's still going to be the buzz kind of word, but I'm also looking at how is that product going to impact my good guys in the soil versus my bad guys. And by talking about good guys, I'm talking about the guys who are going to cycle nutrients for me. So that's what I'm looking at with a product like, or with labs like Trace Genomics, like Biomaker's, Um, Those guys are looking at microbial species that cycle micro and macronutrients. That's what's cool. Stimulate the good guys, reduce the bad guys. I can also identify my levels of Pythium, Phytophthora, other root rots, um, other fungus and bacteria. And I can identify those species and I can see working those populations down. That's my reducing the bad guys. I also like looking at some of the basics too, you know, those tests can be kind of expensive. So, um, you know, a couple hundred bucks, not like crazy. They've come down a lot and they're going to continue to come down in price. Um, and those things you can do on your farm at scale for like, um, you know, a couple hundred bucks. Like I said, we're doing them at scale for $40 an acre is kind of the program. So it's not that bad, but you're not going to want to do it more than once every five or 10 years, Mm. kind of a program, um, But if you can really fine-tune your decisions then based on those microbial levels, I think for now, it's utilizing just a respiration test make sure you're using the infrared system, the erga system, not Solvita, um, in order to get that accuracy that we really need um, because we're going to be making a lot of decisions based on that information. So get a good Haney test um, in order to understand what's going on in your soil. You need to have your basic soil analysis as well pH, organic matter, um, cation exchange, that kind of stuff. I think it, we need to layer that information, and then we need to make sure that these companies are testing based on that same information, so that the data that you have on your farm, the tools that you're collecting on your farm, the tool, the the soil data that you're collecting on your farm, needs to match with the data that they are collecting as well. So make sure that their product trials are local, are independent. Are in real field situations out in the farm where there's actual biology there's actual um, environmental impact on these products and then if they're seeing Im- improvement in a similar soil and similar um, data as your farm is that helps me to be able to find that product placement um, and be able to adopt those practices it's all going to be on the blockchain it's all going to be in real time going forward so these companies need to figure out collecting that data now and we do on the farm as well. So um, but overall really interesting stuff on biologicals. Would love to have some of your feedback on biological products that you've seen working, that you don't see working. Um, you know, we we don't wanna stir up a big fuss, but it's kind of fun though too to figure out what what's going on, how do we help each other out? Um we gotta dig through these things and figure out our biologicals gonna have a place. Um how are these products going to match with our practices? And in the meantime, we'll keep pushing our cover crop, we'll keep reducing tillage, and we'll keep moving in the right direction in order to continue on a path of being more sustainable, doing things better, improving the profitability on our farms, both in the short term and in long term. Um, thanks for tuning in. Thanks to Global Ag Network for hosting us now. We look forward to putting out a lot more content here going forward.